Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of The Yard. Seems like the week is flying by. A lot to talk about, not all of it good. 
You guys know that when things are, are not what they should be, I don't have a problem talking about it in, in the language in which it needs to be discussed. We're going to talk about last night's debacle in Oxford. We'll give Ole Miss a little bit of credit. We'll give Mississippi State a pretty uh, stinging critique. We'll talk a little bit about defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. We'll talk about some other things that are out there kind of cooking and shaking and moving. We'll talk a little SEC East baseball. How does that sound? Mississippi State also, too, would like for you to know that if you had planned to come to Mississippi State's season opener on Friday, that time is being changed to 1 p.m. due to impending winter weather. We're going to play baseball a little bit earlier on Friday. So Friday, 1 o'clock, first pitch. I know many of you are already planning to take off work and get here early. Just go ahead and take off the whole day. Come on up and be with us. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, long-time purveyors of great food here in Starkville, Mississippi, and now a new location in Tupelo to serve you. I've had several people have told me they've tried them both. Tried them both, like them both. A lot of uh, differences, I guess, in some respects, just because of uh, it's a different building. The atmosphere is a little different. The quality of the food, the service price, still consistently the same. Hope that you guys will give them an opportunity to serve you. I'm a big fan of the spring rolls, as you guys are aware. I think they'll make you better looking, and we all need more of that. Go in there, have your own favorites, try your own favorites. You can have the Bulldog, which I recommend for those of you that just want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, just have the Bulldog. You'll never go wrong with the Bulldog. But you can get on the wild side a little bit and try some different things, like the Pimentology Ad Bacon or the Mission. I encourage you to expand your horizons by working through that menu. Every time you go, maybe get something a little bit different. You're going to love it. Bulldog Burger Company, now with two locations to serve you, on University Drive here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. So let's get into some unpleasant business first. As you guys are well aware, while there has not been an official announcement yet, there is uh, a lot of reports suggesting that former Mississippi State Bulldog football player P.J. Jones has met an untimely demise in Tupelo. He was declared missing a few days ago. And then there was a, a body recovered from a lake near his mother's home in Tupelo. Many believe that to be P.J. Jones. Has not been any official announcement as of yet, but P.J. also has not been found. At least not, he has not come and come forward on social media and said, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm good or whatever. My point being is that it appears that we're going to have another funeral for a Mississippi State player that uh, took us to unprecedented heights back in 2014. Like many of you, I have followed these cases very closely. I have watched our former players and current players respond emotionally on social media. I have seen the discussion that many of you have had uh, on Gene's page, on the forums, on the Facebook groups, on social media. And everybody has many of the same concerns. Number one, the immediate concern, obviously, is for the, the player and their families and those that love them. Anytime that young people die, there is going to be an emotional reaction. And it is one of the things that I struggle uh, to kind of come to grips with from time to time is when young people die. It always seems so unfair. I'm not going to get into the details of any of these situations between, uh, you know, Deronye Wilson or P.J. Jones, because uh, you know, I, I don't think that's really the issue here. The bottom line is they're both gone too soon. Some people have raised some concerns saying, you know, hey, what can 
Mississippi State do to help better prepare student-athletes for life outside of sports? Well, I had the same question. I read with great interest Tyler Russell, uh, former Mississippi State quarterback, loved Tyler and his family, his dad Craig, his mom Marcy, younger brother Kyle. They're great people. Tyler will always be a big part of our Mississippi State family. Wish him the absolute best in life. But he brought up a concern on, on Twitter, you know, after Bear Wilson's untimely demise. And I believe that's been classified as murder. And said, hey, we, we need to do more. We need to do more to educate our student athletes about life outside of sports. When their playing days are over, what can we do to prepare them for that transition? Because here's the deal. At some point, we all get cut. For some of us, we get cut in high school. Some of us get cut after high school. And, you know, we get a letterman's jacket or whatever, and we don't get to play beyond the high school level. Some of us have the opportunity to play in college and some professionally. But at the end of the day, unless you're, you know, a superstar, chances are, you're going to get cut from a roster one day. They're going to call you in and say, listen, you didn't make the team. And that is a very sobering and sad day for every athlete. Everybody knows the end is coming. Father time waits for no man. But for many of them, especially on the college level, and, and, and I'm, I'm certain around the country, you know, the numbers are probably astonishing. The greater percentage of high school football players and in most situations, basketball and baseball players expect to play beyond the college level. The day they sign their national letter of intent, they're already talking about the next level. How many times have you seen a kid tweet out, I will be at this school for the next three or four years? And chances are kids are going to be here for five. But everybody, no matter their circumstance, no matter their background, their playing career, or, or despite the fact that they, what kind of the caliber of coaching they've had, there are many of them thinking, hey, I'll just go there for three years and I'll declare for the draft early and make millions and be able to take care of my mom, my family forever and make life-changing money and put that money aside and never have to work a real job. Not to suggest that professional athletes don't work hard, but you understand my point. They won't have the work-a-day situation that we have. But the sobering reality of that is, is that most of them will not go pro in sports. Oh, they may get a job coaching high school football somewhere, and that's a very noble profession. It's very wonderful to be able to give back to the community. But you're not going to make millions coaching high school football. you know. And you're going to have to transition into a life perhaps beneath what your expected means are. And so I made some, some inquiries. Because, again, Tyler Russell really kind of stirred something in me. And I've wondered, you know, what, what do we do at Mississippi State? And so I reached out to a couple people. And uh, you know, actually, I actually had some football parents share some information with me. I've had some some other people share. You know, there there are some programs in place that have been put in place in recent years. Uh, I, I would say within that last three to four years, some plans have been put in place. Some programs have been put in place to aid our student athletes in a job search, in developing some job skills, some interviewing type skills. And I understand, too, that in the last three to four years, despite the fact that Mississippi State did not have money allocated for the positions, that Mississippi State hired two mental health professionals that work directly with your student athletes. I don't know the full protocol. 
but I understand that those resources were previously not really available to the student athletes. But that's happened in recent years as our athletic department has kind of matured and become a little more innovative. That we're trying to get ahead of the game. There are some other schools out there that have you know full-time counselors available to student athletes. We have followed in that same vein and have two people that work with our student athletes. Now, I don't know if they observe them regularly or if it's just a an as-needed situation, but those resources are available. Also, too, it is mandatory. There are these job fairs for our student athletes where potential employers come in, and it is mandatory for our student athletes as juniors and seniors to attend these events to, number one, you begin to do some networking, but also, too, to kind of practice their interviewing skills and get more comfortable with that facet of life. At some point, we're all going to sit down and be interviewed for a job. Some of you will change jobs. Some of you will seek a new job or begin to begin a different career or seek uh, employment in a non-related field. And you're going to have to sit down and sell yourself. And the fact of the matter is, you know, unless you're in the retail business, more times than not, your brand doesn't carry a lot of weight. You know, if you're in the sales business, obviously, uh, you know, having a name that people know is very, very important. But if you're taking a support position or, you know, administrative position or, some, or something kind of outside of the scope of retail, it's going to be more about what you can bring to the organization other than some great stories from the huddle in the locker room. And so Mississippi State has been proactive in recent years. And again, that's in the last three to four years have made these exercises mandatory for student-athletes. I think that is important. I think it is forward-thinking for Mississippi State because I think we understand. I think it's also helpful, too, that uh, you've got an athletic director that was a head coach on the college level and has, has seen both sides of this, have seen guys come in and be able to turn their college educational opportunity into a Major League Baseball future and others who come in with the same aspirations and perhaps they don't develop uh, at the rate that they hoped. Or maybe an entry comes along, but there's something that forces them to get a job outside of athletics. And so you have these events where, and again, this is mandatory. You're, you're required to go. And it prepares them for a life outside of athletics. Now, can we do more? Possibly. But I think it's important that you guys know what Mississippi State is doing to prepare our student-athletes for the world, for life. Because here's the thing. Even in college, you're somewhat sheltered. Despite what, despite what your high school teachers told you, you're still pretty sheltered in college. Yes, you don't have parents around. You don't really have a curfew, that sort of stuff. And you, there are a lot of classes. I know they don't take role. I get it. But you're still kind of sheltered from the real world. Then you get out there and all of a sudden you got to go pay the light bill and the gas bill. And, and there's nobody out there anymore to say, hey, you need to go do this. You need to do this. This is a good decision for you. You're kind of on your own. And so Mississippi State is doing some things to help develop some life skills with our student athletes. Now, sadly, these programs were not in place when Deronje Wilson and P.J. Jones were here. I don't know that they would have changed anything. I don't know. But I do know that... Uh, there are some people on the Mississippi State campus that care about our athletes long after they've hung up the cleats. Long after. And I think I share that with everybody, and I wrote this on Gene's page earlier. I think we all share the same hope, and that is for every student athlete, regardless of gender, 
of religious background or socioeconomic upbringing, that we want every student athlete to come to Mississippi State and leave as an enriched individual. We want them to come here, get their education, be able to be self-sufficient when they leave here, whether they become a professional athlete or not. We want them to come here and better their station in life. And so again, there have been some great opportunities. And listen, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, why do we have to have all these things? You know, I think it's apparent, I think recent history shows us that there needs to be some programs in place to help people kind of transition into a different lifestyle. And uh, I, number one, again, I don't know all the protocol calls behind all this, but I think it is important that you guys are aware that it's not as simple as Mississippi State uh, the day after the bowl game of your senior year saying, hey, good luck to you. It's not that simple. It, it's really not that simple. I know some people out there that have tried to suggest that, you know, they say, well, you know, they're just going to use you up. And when your four years are done, uh, you know, they just kind of hope for the best. That's That's just not true. And I think those of you that know Mississippi State, love Mississippi State, you're aware of that. That's not who we are. And so, again, your athletic department, your university, Dr. Mark Keenum, athletic director John Keenum, John Cohen, uh, they're working to ensure that every student athlete has a good experience here, but also, too, is prepared uh, to enter the workforce. So uh, let's move on to something else here. Uh, before I do that, let me remind you, I, ha I had a book signing last night in uh, Houston, Mississippi. Great time. And so many great people came out. And that's one of the things, too, it's a little different, you know, during Christmas sweeps, there's all these people that come and, you know, sometimes the lines get pretty long and you can't give everybody your five minutes. And so and we went to the Trendy House in Houston, Mississippi last night, had a good signing. It was great. And the better part of that is not just a signing books, but it's to sit and visit with other Mississippi State folks. You know, people say, well, Steve, what do you think about Mike Leach? What do you think about this? What's going on with this? It's nice to be able to have those opportunities to kind of sit in a relaxed environment and share that time together. And so I'll have some other dates coming up soon. We'll be on the road a, a, a good bit, but uh, it'll be kind of around Mississippi State's baseball schedule. We'll do some things in town, too. But you know, one of the things that was cool about last night is I had a longtime Boneyard listener come in and say, Hey, Steve, I tried the Hawthorne.co stuff, and I love it. Love it. I told you guys that you would, and I've had many people reach out to me and say, hey, Steve, you're dead right on the money about Hawthorne.co. Again, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. It is the best cologne that I've ever worn, and you can take that from a guy that wore rayon shirts and as much Dracar as I could possibly get together back in the 90s, and then, uh, you know, I was a chaps guy for a while, but, you know, became an eternity guy. Love the Hawthorne.co stuff. Love it. Because, and, you know, one of the reasons that I love it is because it fits my preferences. It's not me just going in there. You know how it is. It's such a hassle to go back to lawn sometimes. They've got it in their lock and key, and you got to go find somebody, and they don't know what they're talking about. Go to Hawthorne.co. Take the quiz. They will let you know what products best fit your preferences, and they'll send them out to you. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, use promo code Boneyard and save 10% off that first order. You should do it. You want to do it. You want to smell nice. We all want to smell nice. So go get something that fits you and your chemistry. That's what you're going to find. You can get uh, shampoo and conditioner. You can get body wash. You can get lotion. get deodorant. You get the cologne. I love it all. But I'll tell you, that cologne is top shelf. Again, that's hotbarn.co, promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. So let's get into the debacle in Oxford last night. 
you know, I read with great interest, a lot of people are really upset about, uh, you know, Carmen Davis calling us the puppies. You know, well, here's the thing that I have to say about that. Uh, when, when you win, you can say whatever you want. And so, yes, Kermit Davis wore the uniform. Yes, Kermit uh, grew up here in Starkville. Yes, Kermit is one of us. Yes, it is a little bit awkward with Kermit being at Ole Miss. But you know what? Kermit beat our tails last night. And yes, he did call us the puppies. And listen, I understand he's speaking to his base. I speak to my base regularly. Uh, you know, I, while I don't like it, I, can, I, I understand it. I respect it. He's beat Mississippi State two out of the last three times. And last night was an absolute disaster. And I, I'm going to say some things today that uh, may surprise some of you. Maybe you don't like them, and that's okay, too. You can have your own show. But when Kermit switched to the 1-3-1 defense, it was like we had never seen it before in our lives. It was almost like complete sorcery. Like, what, are they playing with six? We kept turning the ball over. We didn't shoot it well. Uh, we came out early, and I thought we kind of established the post game and showed them this is the fight that you're in for. And we stopped punching. Not sure what happened there. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're not – we haven't been a great road team. And here's the deal. Okay, let's take the rivalry part of this out of the equation. Because one of the things I'll tell you, too, is we're, we're the team with all the Mississippi State kids. We're the team with all the Mississippi players. So if there should be a team that understands the importance of the rivalry game, it should be the kids on the Mississippi State roster. And we got embarrassed last night. We got embarrassed by a bad basketball team. Now, granted, they had played better as of late. And I give Ole Miss credit for bringing the fight to Mississippi State. But we did not look like an NCAA tournament team last night. And we lost to a team that won't make the NIT. Now, hey, hey the way Kermit's playing, got the kids playing the last couple of weeks, you know, maybe they get hot down the stretch. Who knows? But when you're fighting to get to the NCAA tournament, you don't struggle with the last place team in the league in Vanderbilt. You don't struggle with the 12th place team in, in, in Ole Miss. It was an embarrassing loss, and there's a lot of Mississippi State fans today kind of taking a hiatus from social media because of how poorly we played. It is an absolute joke for us to play that bad. And I've got some friends of mine that say, well, you know, Steve, you have a bad night every once in a while. And so here's my biggest issue. We always play up to the level of our competition and down to the level of our competition so every game's competitive. But that game wasn't competitive in, in, in late in the second half. Ole Miss did whatever they wanted to do. Bree and Tyree is kind of a one-man show over there with some complimentary players. We kind of knew that going in, and uh, we could not curtail him. Even though he had some early foul trouble, he was the star of the ballgame. So uh, tip of the cap to him. As difficult as that is for all of us, Ole Miss absolutely wore us out last night. We're now 15-9 and nine overall. They're 13-11. We're 6-5 and five in the league and 4-7 and, and seven in the SEC. It's awful. I mean, I, I mean, there's no other way to say it. It is awful. Now we can talk about, you know, Reggie Perry had a pretty good game. Reggie Perry uh, was probably underutilized. 24 points, 8 of 10 from the line, 8 of 15 from the field, pulled down 8 rebounds, committed 4 personal fouls, and that, that was an issue, and a couple of those were kind of ticky-tack. He also had 5 turnovers. DJ Stewart with 16 points, and again, he is maturing before our eyes. He, honestly, I, he is among the most consistent players on both ends of the floor. 
38 minutes of action, 4 of 11 from the field, hit a big three, 7 of 9 from the line, pulled down four rebounds, stayed out of foul trouble, which is one of the reasons he's able to stay on the floor. But, you know, I, I, I personally believe that DJ Stewart plays hard every single night. The box score didn't always show it, but he always plays hard. Uh, Robert Woodard with 12 points last night, six rebounds, 39 minutes of action. And I'll be honest with you, I, I think we need a little more from Robert. I think when and, and maybe some of that's just because, you know, we're featuring Reggie Moore in the offense, but I'd like to see Robert Woodard be a bigger part of the offense. Abdul Adu was banged up, but he did play. 27 minutes of action. Pulled down six rebounds, committed a couple fouls, but I really thought that um, did old Miss took advantage of him. Nick Weatherspoon, an interesting line for Nick. 31 minutes, 0 for 5 from the field. Four rebounds, fouls out late in the ballgame. Six assists, six turnovers. Not a good night at all for Nick Weatherspoon. Tyson Carter off the bench. One of six, made a free throw, pulled down three rebounds, four turnovers, three points. We essentially had no bench whatsoever. Three bench points on the night, despite the fact that we had some foul trouble. Absolutely inexcusable performance from Mississippi State, a team that has everything to play for. You know, against a team at all Miss that is arguably playing out the string. So we have an opportunity, and we, we mentioned what a defining stretch it was. But now what we have done is we have negated anything we gained and then some with the win in Florida. That's a game we expected to lose. You know, we, we may lose in Florida. We may lose in Kentucky. We've got to win each other three. And then we beat Florida. We're thinking, hey, you know, we've got a chance to kind of get ahead of schedule here. And what do we do? We go lose to a team that's worse in Florida, despite the fact they beat Florida. But I'm just talking about in the rankings. And, uh, and, and didn't look good doing it in any capacity. And again, you give Ole Miss credit because uh, it had been very easy for them to say, you know what, you know, it's been, it hadn't been our year, especially when they got down 14 in a ball game. They got down 14 in a game and they could say, you know what, it's just not our night. We'll try to get them down the road. Brian Tyree went for 40 points. 40. 40. Had two early fouls. Didn't pick up another one the rest of the game. 13 of 22 from the field, four big threes, and it seemed like every one of those came when State uh, had pretty much mailed it in. He put the nail in the coffin, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, pulls down five rebounds. I, I thought Sai was, I thought Sai really gave Abdullah do some trouble. 18 points, eight rebounds. And, you know, for a while it seemed like it was just kind of, you know, going to be a two-man show up there, and Devontae Fuller pitches in 16 points. Blake Henson, who did have some foul trouble and eventually fouled out. And that's one of the things, too, where I don't know if it's if somebody somewhere doesn't, there's a disconnect. Because Blake Henson had the big third foul and then still played 34 minutes. You know, we finally got, you know, a, a foul on him late. Why were we not attacking him? Why were we not isolating him and taking him to the basket and getting him out of the game? Now, we didn't score a whole lot. But anytime when you have a player on the ropes, you know that he can't play defense. Why don't why aren't you dialing up plays to go right at him and either get him out of the ball game because his backup clearly is not as talented as him or he wouldn't be playing, right? And so I, I it's one of those things too, you know, far be it for me to say anything about basketball, but uh 
that might offend some people, but I don't understand when you've got a guy on the ropes, why you, why you stop punching. And listen, again, give, give Kermit and Ole Miss credit. They had absolutely, you know, uh, they're fighting, I guess, for, you know, for some bragging rights or whatever. But um, they kicked our tails. It's as simple as that. There's no way you can feel good about it. There's no way you can look at it and say, oh, Ole Miss cheated. And I know that's the familiar mantra. But no, Ole Miss kicked our butts. At 83-59, well, that's fine, 83-58, excuse me. One of the worst losses of the season. You know, we we get beat 90-69 in Tuscaloosa. And I remember after losing that ball game in Tuscaloosa, I said, yeah, this is it. We're done. We're finished. It's over. And every single time that Mississippi State, just when you think they're dead, they'll come back. But then just when you think we've got it figured out, we do something like this. It's embarrassing. It is. And that's the thing that it's year five under Ben Howland. It's year five, and this is the most talented roster that he's had at his disposal, and we're 15 and 9. 15 and 9. We are simply a different team away from Humphrey Coliseum. And everybody plays a little different on the road. We get two wins. We're two and five on the road and two and two on a neutral floor. And so if you had to ask me today, I know some people said, oh, we're still a tournament team. What evidence in the world right now, based on how we have played on the road, and you look at what we have left at Arkansas, at A&M, at Missouri, at South Carolina, we only have three home games left at Humphrey Coliseum. So based on the evidence available to us, you know, and just a couple days ago I was saying, you know what, Every one of those games is winnable. I still believe those games are winnable. I believe we have the talent to win those games. But when you begin to look at what's left from a road standpoint, you know, let, let's say let's say you split the road games. Okay, well, that's a couple more losses right out of the gate. It's going to be tough to make the tournament, folks. It's going to be tough. And then I believe... If we don't make the tournament, I think John Cohen's got a very, very difficult decision to make. And I don't know how difficult it will be. But I think that puts you in a position where you have to make a decision. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I let last night bother me too much. And it's not just that we lost. You know, that's the thing I kept telling everybody yesterday. I said, well, how do you feel about the game? I said, we just got to win it. Because I understand that crazy things happen in rivalry games. I get it. There's a lot more fervor to crowds in the ball game because they don't want to lose to you. That's part of it. But also know this, that I know that an NCAA tournament team, a team that is bound for the NCAA tournament, does not go on the road and lose to a team like that in the manner in which we did. I think Ole Miss exposed Mississippi State's heart. So we're going to move on from that. Let's move on from all of that. Let's talk a little bit about football, shall we? You know, we've been running the uh, the assistant coaching Q&As over on Gene's page, and we had a chance to visit with all the assistant coaches for the first time last week, and they were great. Very down-to-earth, very folksy. They're going to fit in well. They're going to recruit well here. They're going to fit in with you guys. You're not going to feel like these people are doing you a favor by talking to you. They're happy to be here. We visited with Zach Arnett, and uh, Mike Nemeth had a Q&A. You can read that on Gene's page right now. Arnett shared a couple things with us, you know, over the course of the interview that didn't make the paper. He considers himself in the Joe Lee Dunn coaching tree in some respects. 
Because as he mentioned, that you know, Rocky Long and Bronco Mendenhall went to Joe Lee Dunn when Joe Lee was out in New Mexico because Joe Lee was doing things that were very innovative. The 3-3-5 scheme was very, very different. You blitz from different angles. Your alignments were different. It was difficult to prepare for. It was an aggressive attacking style of defense. And so then Rocky Long learns from Jolie Dunn. And then Zach Garnett attends the University of Mexico, and Rocky Long then coaches that into him. This is our scheme. This is our mentality. This is what we're going to do. And then when Zach was done playing, he went to coach for Rocky Long, and it was a defensive was linebackers coach and eventually the, the defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach at San Diego State. Zach kind of joked with me and Mike Namath. He goes, you know, maybe around here I won't wear socks out of uh, an homage to Jolie Dunn. So Zach gets it, and he also understands that the Jolie Dunn defensive days, when you hear the name Jolie Dunn in Starkville, it kind of harkens you back to a time when Mississippi State was kind of known is being that defensive team, that team you didn't want to play. You didn't want to have to prepare for them. But also, too, win or lose the next week was interesting in the training room because Mississippi State would beat you up. We were a physical, blue-collar, in-your-face, grab-your-face mask, spit-down-your-throat defense. We're getting back to that. And that's the thing when you begin to think about those years is how great we were defensively. There were times I would rather us watch defense than offense. All due respect, Matt Wyatt, Wayne Matkin because we were more entertaining defensively. Not to mention, we could score defensively. There was a stretch there, I guess, in 98, when we had a defensive or a non-offensive touchdown, I guess, in six or seven straight games. I remember Ashley Cooper, Robert Bean, Tim Nelson, those guys stepping in front of passing routes. I mean, because we always seemed to be a step ahead. And then the, the game changed, and we, we, we weren't recruiting at quite the same level. You know, we had the, uh, the NCAA cloud hanging over our heads for a few years. And so we kind of lost our identity a little bit. We wandered in the wilderness. But now, you know, we're getting back to who we were, but also, too, we're adding a prolific offensive component to that. I was visiting with some of those folks last night in Houston, and I remembered, I said, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been this excited about a coaching staff. Mike Nemitz, a guy that's been around a few 24 hours, Mike said, you know, hiring Mike Leach is very reminiscent of the day we hired Jackie Sherrill. That has been you know, such a unbelievable burst of enthusiasm within our fan base. And so when you begin to think, okay, we've got the Mike Leach offense, and that's going to be different, but it's going to be fun and entertaining. And then you've got a defensive system that we have been able to recruit for for many years. Zach Arnett is a bit of a throwback coach too. Zach is not a guy that is going to sit around and, hum the Indigo Girls and uh, get out some New Age crystals and sit around and let us think ourselves into a number one defense. That's not who he is. All due respect to the folk singers. Zach Arnett is a guns and roses, get in your face, yell, scream, hold you accountable, old school coach. And that's what we have. And that's probably what we need. We don't need the easier, softer way here at Mississippi State. We've got to be a little bit different here at Mississippi State. We're not going to recruit consistently at the same level of LSU and Alabama. 
we don't have the tradition, we don't have the facilities, we don't have the resources that they have. And there have been some other people within this state that have stepped out of line a little bit and uh, stepped on some toes with their recruiting uh, efforts. And you see where they are now. The longest streak of futility without a bowl game in the current in the SEC. That's not who we want to be. So we're going to have to be the cool kids. We're going to have to go out there and have the fun offense and have the fun defense, but also, too, we've got to be the team that has some real swagger. You know, when, when I think that I look back at that LSU team this past year, the thing about that LSU team that I thought was different was that they took on that same level of down the bayou arrogance in your face, we don't care who you are, we're coming to get you mentality of Ed Orsron. I think of all the teams that he's ever coached, this one adopted that identity. But you know what? And you remember what he said. There were so many people that were upset about Ed Orsron dropping the F-bomb in the, uh, the post-game locker room at Bryant-Denley Stadium. Uh, and again, as I open the show, if you don't want Ed or Kermit or anybody else to talk, then you need to beat them. When they win, then they mock your rallying cry in your stadium. You write that down and prepare for next year. But you can't say much for the next year because he's won the ball game. Here at Mississippi State, we have got to kind of get back to who we were. We have got to be the cool kids. We have got to be that defensive system that these guys look at and say, you know what, I want to go and be a part of that. One of the things that I remember about the Cheryl days with things that he, that he had shared with us is when uh, he would go out on a recruiting trail and have in-home visits, some players would ask him, Coach, can, can I lead the Dog Pound Rock? If I come to Mississippi State, can I be Kenzaki Jones? Can I be out there leading the Dog Pound Rock on the field? And of course, they, they really couldn't do it anymore. But that's when Mississippi State was cool. That's when we were the end school. You know, we've had some days like that recently under the Dan Mullen era. I mean, you know, we, when Dak was here, we were awfully cool. We were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. We were on top of the college football world for a while. But we still lacked a lot of fun on defense. Then we put some fun on defense, and then the fun goes to Florida. But I'm excited about Zach Arnett. I mean, I, I, the more time that I spend around him and the more that I interact with him, I think it is apparent that he gets it. He gets it. He is not this cerebral assassin that some other people are. This is a guy that's going to bring the fire. I'm excited. Speaking of being excited, you should be too, because Campus Bookmart is ready to serve you and outfit your entire family with spring maroon and white fashions. You can do that. By going by and seeing Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets more lovelier by the day. Go by, pose for a picture. They'll get a smile for you. Happy to do it. Great great people, great service. Go by and check them out. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web. Al Gore's Internet will connect you immediately to Campus Bookmark by going to campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And you can go get your stitched baseball jerseys right now. I think 89 bucks is what I saw them for. And be sure to use that promo code. Save me some shipping there. 
Mom, I'm telling you, everybody wants new Mississippi State clothing. Everybody. I want it. So let's get into some baseball stuff. I mentioned those Fitch baseball jerseys. You know, we are a proud baseball program here at Mississippi State. And there are a lot of times people kind of forget that. We are a baseball school. I love football. I love football recruiting. I love everything that we're winning in. I love everything that we're competing against. I'm one of those kind of teams that I, I, I want Mississippi State to be successful in every way possible. And again, we, you know, these are the glory days of Mississippi State's athletics. We don't have anything. We have days that are embarrassing, but we don't have any programs that are embarrassing. We don't have any programs that are not representing the university uh, with pride and dignity. But baseball is the one thing we look at and say, you know what? Uh, we're pretty good, and uh, we don't really care about who you think you are. When you come to Dirty Noble Field, you are here as a visitor, and uh, we are not often hospitable on the baseball diamond. Uh, we'll shake your hand after a ball game, and we'll feed you in left field lounge, but we plan to get the W. So SEC East, we looked at the West earlier this week, and then on, on Friday we'll break down you know, what to expect from Wright State when they come in and kind of preview the weekend that'll be in the SEC. I'm excited, man. I, I am really, really excited. You know, one of the things that I love, this is one of the greatest things about the uh, the SEC network, is uh, when I get home, I can go put on SEC now, and I can keep up with everybody. I can see highlights of every game around the conference, and I can hear that panel of experts talk about who did well and who didn't, and uh, I can't get enough college baseball. I, 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 there, I'm, I'll never overdose on that. I always get excited about college baseball, and not just because of what's happening in Mississippi State. I want to know what's going on around the conference and nationally because we are a national-level program. I don't just want to win the state championship. I want to win a national championship, and I kind of like to know what other people are doing. So let's look at the SEC East. The uh, projected order of finish, according to the SEC baseball coaches poll, Vanderbilt picked to win the SEC and the SEC East. I don't know that I agree with that. I think Florida is going to be a lot better than people are anticipating. Florida's picked second, Georgia third. I think Georgia's going to be much like they were last year. They'll, they'll be really good on the hill, but they're going to struggle to score. They're going to be a little bit like Auburn. Tennessee fourth. I like that coaching staff up there, but, man, they've got a lot to overcome pitching-wise. They're losing a ton of players. Uh, South Carolina picked fifth. We'll, we'll make that trip to Columbia. I can't wait. Can't wait. John Mangum told me it's his second favorite park in the SEC. Dirty Noble, of course, number one. Missouri is picked sixth, and our friend Nick Mangion seventh. And, and I think this is a very big year uh, for Nick. And just so you guys are aware, the SEC champion, here are the votes. Here's how it broke down. Vanderbilt had eight votes. Florida, two. Arkansas, one. Auburn, one. Georgia, one. Mississippi State, one. So somebody picked us. Some coach out there picked us to win the SEC. And eight picked, eight picked Vanderbilt. So we'll see. We gotta go to Nashville. I'm looking forward to that trip too. Love Nashville. So let's start with uh, with the Commodores. They lose a ton. Okay, they lose an absolute ton. But they also are able to to uh, to reload. I'm not gonna get into all the scholarship talk today. I'm just gonna talk players. Okay. So. Last year, everybody knew what to expect but from J.J. Bleday, and I think he even exceeded some of those those deals. Uh, but basically, they're going to just start fresh. 
they're going to start fresh pretty much in the uh, in the infield and the outfield for that matter. They're going to bring a few guys back, but um, yeah, they had some really talented players last year that came back, like Patrick Raby, did a great job for them as a pitcher. And he's a guy, too, that uh, a lot of people expected to have a big year. He did. I don't know that he was quite what they anticipated early on. But a guy that really impressed me last year that didn't make a lot of headlines is Mason Hickman. You know, State played against him a couple times. He is a big, physical, hard-throwing guy, and he is going to be their Saturday guy. Of course, Kumar Rocker is going to make the move uh, uh, to Friday nights, probably as good as anybody in the country in the final weeks of the season. Outside of that, they're losing a ton. I mean, they're losing a lot. But again, they just simply reload. Now, Ethan Paul is a guy that came back for his senior year. He's gone. Julian Infante, he's gone. Harrison Ray, I believe, is gone as well. We know J.J. Bodet is gone. And so there's some big shoes to fill in that lineup. We get them late, so by the time we get them, they will have figured all that stuff out. But they have got pitching. They also have a you know, favorable schedule. But this Vanderbilt team is going to be really, really good. I think you know that there are some losses out there for them because I don't know they're going to be nearly as prolific offensively as they were a year ago. Glad to see Walker Garcanti go, too. But that, again, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. Picked to win the East last year. They did. Won it pretty, you know, they, they won the SEC by three games. You know, we were in the mix for a while, and then we, you know, we ended up, we, we go 20 and 10 in the league. They go 23 and 7. So we finished three games out of first place. We also didn't have the benefit of playing, you know, Missouri and Kentucky and those teams. Vanderbilt did. And then that was really the difference. And to be fair, as great as we were last year, Vanderbilt was a little bit better. They were a little bit better. We had a chance to beat them in the SEC tournament. We blew it. Couldn't get the timely hit. You had a chance to beat them in Omaha. Had a couple big errors, and next thing you know, we were we were out of it. But Vanderbilt wasn't that much better than Mississippi State, and, and Vanderbilt won the whole thing last year. And my hope is, is the experience of that last year will give us the confidence to play with those guys this year. I mentioned that I think Florida will be a surprising team. Number one, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan's a good coach and uh, always great recruiting there. They took some lumps last year playing some younger players. That's one of the things that I think um, when you go and look at their roster from a year ago, they did not have a single senior pitcher, and most of their pitchers were underclassmen. The overwhelming majority of those guys are freshmen and sophomores. They also played a host of very young players, even played some, a lot of freshmen last year. Uh, that outfield uh, is outstanding. Uh, and I, but I, let me tell you this. I'm glad to see Nelson Maldonado lead. Even though we won that series down there in Gainesville, that guy's one of the toughest outs in the SEC, but he's gone. But Florida's going to have pitching. Florida's going to have the opportunity to score some runs. Uh, they're going to have some other guys come in that, you know, they're going to do some big things. 
So I expect Florida to really challenge Vanderbilt on the eastern side. I think when you look again, looking at the losses that Vanderbilt had and what Florida has returning, I I will not be surprised if Florida not only wins that series with Vanderbilt, but wins the SEC East. Really think Florida's kind of hiding like a snake in the reeds out there. Don't know that people are really giving them their just due. I know last year was kind of a running joke that they were top ten. Uh, I think they had double-digit losses before Kendall Rogers and them dropped them out of the top ten. I don't know if that'll be the case this year, but I think by the end of the year, they're not going to be a team that you're going to want to play. Georgia, again, you know, Scott Strickland's done a great job there. They are known for their pitching. And again, they finished two games out of first last year. Two games out of first, played their way in into a great seed in that national tournament, if you guys remember. Didn't work out for them. Didn't work out at all. They lose to Florida State, who was kind of on a, on a destiny run, it seemed, with Mike Martin. Georgia takes down Mercer, then loses to Florida State in back-to-back games. Well, I guess they lose to Florida State, then they beat Florida Atlantic and uh, lose Georgia. Finish the year, uh, you know, maybe a little underwhelming compared to what they were expected to do because, you know, they, they have the pitching. That's the thing. They, they have a ton of pitching, and I suspect as long as Scott Strickland is there, they will be a, among the league leaders when it comes to pitching. They bring a lot of those guys back. So, again, it's going to be I'm, – I'm glad that we're avoiding them this year, to be honest with you. We, we don't have them on the schedule. Uh, they had some veterans last year in their lineup, but there's just enough mix that they're bringing a lot of guys back that had some maybes a year ago. Glad that LJ Talley's gone. That kid can play. He really can. So George is probably right where the middle of the pack in the SEC. You know, I, I don't see them finishing second. I think last year was their year to do it and uh, just didn't have the offense. They did have some pitchers who were kind of up and down last year, but they're, they're going to be able to pitch the baseball this year. And I'm sure they probably feel a little bit, uh, you know, a little jaded after losing the, the way they did you know, last year in uh, in the regional. Wanted to get out of their own regional. They didn't. So there's a lot of motivation there for them. South Carolina last year, 28 and 28. We had an opportunity to uh, – that, that was one of those series you look at that uh, we lose the series – and should have won the series. You guys, may, maybe you've forgotten. They beat us 24-7 to in game one of that series in Starkville. They come out, the, pardon me, I got that incorrect. We won that series 24, that game 24-7. But we had a chance to sweep and stay in SEC contention, and we lose that ball game on May the 18th, 10-8. That was one of those days, and Peyton Plum, we just didn't have his best stuff. But again, that's one of those ones we look at and say, okay, this is a team that probably played a little bit beneath their means because they had some injuries. They had a ton of injuries last year. They're going to be a lot better this year. One of the guys last year that really kind of stung Mississippi State was Andrew Eister. Somebody, like he hit a home run every time I turned around. But uh, again, we go up there. 
it's always difficult to go play up there. They have some young pitchers last year. They're going to be better for it this year. You know, we got we got Tringali last year. He'll be back. We you know with that win, that put South Carolina in the SEC tournament, and they uh, they lose to LSU in the first round. But uh, you know, again, that's going to be a chore for us going up there and playing up there. They're going to be in contention for a regional this year. I, I fully expect them to be in the mix. I know they're picked lower in the league. They'll get the benefit of playing, you know, Kentucky and Missouri too. But uh, I expect them to be a better team this year. They'll be on the winning side of things this year. You know, Missouri didn't have a whole lot, and then they've lost what they had. You know, Cam Meisner, an absolute stud last year. Absolute stud. Uh, TJ Sycamore is another one that uh, has moved on. But, uh, again, what pieces they had, they lost. And they had some guys last year, like Tony Ortiz, that were around for a little while, uh, Connor Brumfield. You know, so they, they had some veterans on this team. And, uh, you know, you know, people forget, you know, Steve Beiser came to Miss, came to Mississippi State when he was, uh, you know, coaching, I guess it was Missouri State um, a couple of years ago. Came here and, uh, and put together, Southeast Missouri State, put together a pretty good run there. They ended up making a regional, of course, coming down here in 16. That was the, the great Mississippi State SEC team, one of the better teams, and I make it to Omaha. And so he leaves there and gets that job at Mizzou. And so this will be year four for him. They have put together winning records every year that he's been there, but they haven't been able to break through and make a regional. Not a lot expected out of that team this year. Again, they did lose, lose a lot. But they're a well-coached team. So we will uh, we'll see what they do. I'm really concerned about our good friend Nick Mangione at Kentucky. Kind of expected Nick to do, you know, to be in a better position. And, uh, again, you know, they lose some really good players, you know, from that team a year ago. He played a lot of young guys, pitching staff. He's tried to kind of get it right. But uh, this is a big year for him. You know, that, that when you looked around that, you know, Ryan Shin was a guy that, that's a veteran of our league. Jared Shelby's a guy that's been around for 24 hours. But those guys moved on. And so I'm eager to see what Nick can put together this year. Nick is a great coach, a great recruiter, a great person, and uh, you want to see him do well. But this is going to be year four. And if, if I'm being fair, despite the fact that I consider Nick a friend, you know, they're getting diminishing returns. 2017, they were 43 and 23. Went 19-11 in the conference, made it to an NCAA Super Regional. Some of that talent leaves the program. The next year, you're 34 and 22, and you post a 13-17 record in the in the SEC. And last year, you have a losing record: 26 and 29, and seven of 23, and you finish dead last in the East. And now you're picked there again. And so Nick kind of has his uh, his back against the wall here. And so. I'm eager to see what they do, especially since they've, uh, you know, they've lost some very talented players. It's going to be a different deal. I kind of skipped over Tennessee, so let me get in here. I like Tony Batello. We went up there and played them last year. Knoxville was there and uh, really liked the way he carries himself. Guy's got a little bit of an edge to him. 
And, uh, you know, last year they, they put together, you know, a good run, mainly behind some really strong pitching. Didn't have a great offensive team, but they, they put some things together late, and they made it to the Chapel Hill final. And they lose to North Carolina 5-2 in an elimination game. If you recall, Tennessee uh, Tennessee loses that first game. Liberty comes back and beats UNC Wilmington, works their way back out of the bracket, and simply ran out of pitch and take down Liberty, and then um, lose North Carolina in an elimination game. Two seed out there. But uh, they lose a ton. I mean an absolute ton. Garrett Stallings, one of the best pitchers that I saw in person last year. He is gone. However, Mississippi native Garrett Crochet returns. You may recall Garrett Crochet got hit in the face by line drive last year. There's a good chance he will be their bell cow this year. They, um, you know, they, they were kind of a punch and Judy offense last year. You know, didn't really have that middle of the order like guy. Larry Exolier is, is probably their biggest offensive threat. He had a big weekend against Mississippi State. We were down there. But, again, they're right there where they need to be, right in the meaty part of the conference. But they're a team that could ruin somebody's season. They finished third in the SEC East last year. And, granted, a lot of that's with, you know, with pitching. But this is a scrappy team that could ruin, ruin your season. It's one of those weekends where you think, okay, we've got Florida this weekend, and then in two weeks we got Vanderbilt, and then Tennessee could take two out of three at your, in your backyard. Good coach. Good recruiting base. They hadn't always been very good at Tennessee, but, uh, yeah, they've given a lot of money, you know, to, to kind of get that program up to speed. But Lindsey Nelson Stadium is the most antiquated stadium in the Southeastern Conference. I think most people could agree with that. But it's going to be an interesting year. It always is. You know, it always is, and I know those of you that travel, you know what I'm talking about. There is a segment of college baseball fans that you kind of get to know, and the more you travel, the more you, you get to know these folks, and there's just a respect around the league for people that are fans of college baseball, knowledgeable fans. And listen, you know, you're going to go places like LSU and, and Ole Miss, and you're going to have you know, a bunch of these T-shirt alums and that kind of stuff that uh, are going to have negative things to say. But the reality is that we've got some folks like that, too. I'm not, I'm not casting any aspersions. Um, but Mississippi State is respected throughout the conference. Even when I went to Arkansas last, last year, they had a lot of negative things to say to our kids. But those people at Arkansas, they love college baseball. They love beating Mississippi State because they have a lot of respect for Mississippi State. They see Arkansas and Mississippi State on a similar footing. And so if they're beating us, that means they're a leg up this year, and they feel like then they have a chance to win a national championship. And so uh, when I travel, and I love traveling for baseball because it is so much more of a laid-back deal, but uh, there are so many great fans around this great conference and so many great coaches and players I encourage you to get out and go take the kids, go support the Bulldogs on the road. We love, we want you here at Dirty Noble, and if you have to pick and choose, we want you here. But if you have the opportunity, take in a game, especially at one of these SEC East parks, because we don't get to take those trips that often. We'll get to go to South Carolina for the first time in a couple of years this year, and I can't wait to go. Really, really excited about making that trip. But the SEC East, I believe, is going to be a little more competitive this year because I believe Georgia and Florida are capable of beating Vanderbilt. 
I believe, you know, in South Carolina, Tennessee, they could, they could steal a game. And we're going to need those teams in the bottom half of the East, you know, to steal a game every now and again from somebody else because we don't get the benefit of playing in the East like Vanderbilt does. It's one of those things you look at and say, man, I'd hate to play in the SEC West in football. Well, I'd hate to play in the SEC West in baseball because over here you've got Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, who are in regionals every single year. Now you add in Auburn, who's got uh, you know, Butch Thompson, arguably the best pitching coach in the conference, as their head coach. And so there's just not a weekend off in the West. A&M is an NCAA tournament mainstay. And so every weekend that we play an SEC Western team, we're capable of getting swept or capable of sweeping them. But every single game is hard fought. But there are some teams in the East that some of those Sunday games are going to look like church league softball games. They're going to be an absolute disaster. And so we're going to need some help from those teams. Hope you guys have enjoyed today's show. We'll be back on Monday. Excited to be back with you as always. And hopefully on Monday we're talking about some Mississippi State wins. We've got uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. We've got a lot that we're still working towards. But uh, th- listen, let's be honest. That loss to Ole Miss last night, and not just because it was Ole Miss, but because it was the game we really had to have against a team that we should have been able to defeat, uh, that's taken a lot of wind out of our sails. There is no doubt about it. The fan base today a little bit apathetic. But we're still going to continue to play baseball, basketball, and we're going to fight and try to get into this NCAA tournament. Uh, Mississippi State will not play basketball again um, until Saturday. And so when we get together on Friday, we're going to preview preview the, uh, the the series against Wright State, and we'll look at this Arkansas game. And then on the women's side of things, you know, we've got a game on Sunday, a big road game at Kentucky. And so when we get back together on Monday, I know my days are confused because it's been, it's been a rough stretch. But uh, – but uh, we'll get back on Monday. We'll hope we'll be talking about a couple of wins. But we'll preview those games on Friday. We'll kind of look forward to what it, what is uh, because we're not going to have a home game for basketball uh, this weekend. And we're, we're running out of weekends for you to get to Humphrey Coliseum. We absolutely are. And uh, for those of you keeping up on the women's side of things, there's a lot of discussion about the ladies being able to play their way into the two-line. We do feel confident Mississippi State's going to host first, those first two rounds. I like the way the bracketology is shaking out right now is because of the fact I don't think there's anybody in the country that can beat Mississippi State and we're playing at our best. As we saw this past week, you know, South Carolina destroyed UConn. That is not the UConn of old. That is a team that uh, I believe the pack has, has caught. I saw some people joking that Mississippi State broke UConn. They have not been the same program. Uh, since we beat them. I think some of that is because there's just, we talked about being the cool kids. They're not the only cool kids in town anymore. And I think as a result, some of the talent is getting dispersed and a little more evenly distributed in women's basketball. And so after what we did on the road at Columbia, I don't know that there's anybody that we could say, you know, well, on a neutral floor, we can't beat them. I believe this team, Mississippi State, is capable. Listen, they'll get, they'll have you pulling your hair out. But this team is very, very talented. So we've got a lot to look forward to. But, I'm, man, I'll tell you this, I'm excited about college baseball returning this week, and I hope you guys are as well. So that's going to do it for today, and I will be back on Friday. I know I misspoke earlier. It's, it's, today is Wednesday. Don't, don't let me get you twisted. Today is Wednesday. I'll be back on Friday, and then, of course, three days next week. And uh, we'll have a lot of good things to talk about. You know, we'll have, before you know it, guys, we're going to have spring football. I think we're like five weeks away. I think five weeks from tomorrow is when we start – Spring football. 
excited to see the Mike Leach offense installed and uh, so many great things to talk about with all that. We've got plenty of time to talk about it. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.